All right, we are back on Designated Sitter. Today marks almost about one month worth of not having baseball in its regular season. On a baseball um, podcast. On a baseball podcast. So we're we're strangling ourselves for content here. We're really not sure what we're going to do. Except for um, not. We, Kip's putting in work, no. getting interviews. We have Matt Blackham on the podcast today. He's a... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go into that more on that later. Before that, big news this week in baseball. After over a hundred days of investigating, ninety of that letting Bartolo Colon hand deliver from New York to Boston, walking the investigation. Robert Manfred has finally released the Red Sox investigation. Um, some would call this an exoneration. Some would call it a full punishment. Uh, let's take it to you, Stephen. What, what are your thoughts? I just want to preface this why that I'm not a Red Sox fan. And so it doesn't really affect me. This is what I will say. Um, it seems I have like less problems with what happened in Boston than what happened in Houston because although they were still using a video replay to decode signs and then give them to runners on second there were you weren't getting like real-time information you know what I'm saying like it wasn't it wasn't the same because if a guy was on second you're like oh they're picking up our signs you just go switch the sequence and then they don't have anything right then it's over while while in Houston, they had a live feed, so it didn't matter what was being said. You don't, it didn't matter because you were getting it in real time. So that's well, and they were communicating from the bench rather than second base, right? Well, well, the thing was like they would put their signs down, they decode the signs, they would then tell the players, and then the players would get on to second base, and then the second baseman would relay it to the. With the with, they would know what signs to look for. To look for, yeah. So no. for me, that's kind of like legally illegally cheating. Yeah, exactly. Like because you're you're allowed to decode signs if what you see on second and if you're on second again like that's fine the problem is that you're just you're using it you're using the replay room to do that in you're game. getting an extra view yeah in game because because you can watch like reruns of mlb games and see the science catchers are throwing and see what pitch they're throwing so you can use video scouting that's fine like if you wanted to go back and watch it and then use that it's the problem is that you're doing it in game i guess that's where my issue is so the the only punishment being handed down from the replay guy i mean i'm sure he's like guys what the heck like you told me to do this <laughs> um is kind of lame and the fact that core got suspended or at least matched his suspension for the stuff that he that happened in houston like i'm cool with although okay sorry, I, I have bro. to comment there because if coronavirus and this investigation has proved something to me it's that people read very little like they don't look very far how many MLB like meme or Instagram accounts have you seen talking like when they list the Red Sox punishment, they list Alex Cora's one year ban. It has not a single thing to do with Boston, right? The very, you don't, you open the PDF of the report. You don't even open the PDF. You open like the synopsis of the report on MLB.com. First and foremost, the very first thing they say is we find nothing to have been done falsely or poorly, whatever by Alex Cora. Well with Boston. But he will serve one year suspension for his time as the bench manager with okay. the Houston Astros. Okay, right? I I get that. I do. But I think it would be wrong to to say 
that this guy who just won a World Series as a bench coach got a manager and then they were stealing signs over there electronically to say that he had nothing to do with that, even if they couldn't find proof that proved it, I feel like would be ignorant to just be like, well, he probably didn't do anything because, you know, he just saw it work in Houston and then to go straight over. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where my disconnect is. Yeah. Does does the timing seem strange at all? Of course. Why, Steven? Why announce it when they did? I'm, I'm not sure because they need content. NFL draft? Well, no, no. Yeah, exactly. So what happens? It gets buried. So they, what happens is they come at the baseball announces this. They know it's a stain on their um, sport in a sense, right? So let's do it a day before the draft. <sighs> they talk about it for their segments of what, what, what day was it? Wednesday or whatever. And then boom, Thursday, NFL draft dominated throughout the entire weekend. After the draft, going to talk about all the grades of the draft, who drafted well, who drafted bad. Oh, so now then the why end, don't you now just the, now release th- it during the draft? Um, it's a it's great suspicious. question. I mean, yeah, that maybe it's a little too suspicious, right? Sometimes it's like, hey, look at my right hand here. What's my left hand doing? So yeah, no, maybe a sure. little too suspicious to do it during that time. Um, sometimes I often wonder if these big these big commissioners, you know, they're, I'm sure they're in a group chat, right? They talk <laughs> like, to each hey, other. I have a, I have a, I have a, a what's it called? A scandal that I have to release. Can <laughs> yeah, you guys do yeah, something like, cool? Hey, Thanks. Yeah, let's do something. ML NBA is like, yeah, we got your back. We're going to announce that we're going to open up some areas, you know? So all of a sudden it just kind of gets boom, thrown to the side. You, and they just, who do you think feels the most excluded in that group chat? MLS. NHL? No, MLS. <laughs> MLS and MLL, like Major League Lacrosse or something. That exists. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Have you guys seen this account online that there's like these these teenage kids? I don't know how old they are, but they have like major league wiffle ball, and they've like done a draft. They do all this stuff. Like they act like they are the major league thing. Gotta check them out. A lot of props to them because I don't know if they're our age and they're just like holding on to it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But if these are teenagers running this account, I'm pretty impressed. Because bro, <laughs> no, 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 dude, wiffle ball. Have you seen those videos? They're crazy. Oh, and Blitzball, too. Yeah, those guys are wild. They yeah, do they so much stuff that I'm just like, wait, what? Like, when I was playing wiffle ball, I just tried to get it to where you could hit it because striking no one out when you're playing, like, that's no fun. Yeah, we didn't have, like, a catcher. Like, if you hit the if you hit this little box that counted as a strike, like, you just swung. Shit, I didn't <laughs> even have a box. Yeah, like, if you, the, you the, the batter throws it back to you. <laughs> we actually, I was talking with my, my baseball guys from high school. Uh, shout out if they're listening to this. But uh, me and a kid named Justin Burr, we uh, we play wiffle ball in his backyard undefeated. Like us two as a team, we're just like, we were just dynamic. Just boom. Just never lost. Like LeVar Ball. Never lost. Never lost. Never lost. Never lost. Speaking of LeVar Ball. Yikes. So. Okay, so NBA, Steven. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say something else about the NBA, but – uh, I'm putting it out there right now. I think LaMelo Ball is going to be the number one overall pick. Just want to put that out there when the NBA draft happens. The draft is in Ju- June? June? I don't even know, dude. <laughs> June 18th. I have no <laughs> idea. That's normally the NBA draft. Sure. So that's actually like been that. a huge That's it was actually on my huge birthday topic. last year, so that's how I yeah. remember it being. It's like, how do they go about who gets the – so if they cancel this season, how do they go about who gets the number one overall pick just based off current standings? Well, it's a lottery-based thing anyway, so you just freaking – 
put it in there and <laughs> I don't know. Well, they said that with MLB because if MLB doesn't have at least 80, I think they said 80 or 82 games, they can't do a uh, win percentage. What? They they said that they said the minimum number of games they have to play this season to set up for the draft next year, the 2021 draft is 80 games. That's right. I don't Otherwise, know. the sample size is too small to use the win percentage. For... Yeah, because 79 games is different than 80 games. Where do you draw that but line? Like, what's funny about that, though, is if you went by, if you were okay with 80 games, like 80 games in the last season, the Nationals weren't very hot. I think they would have been back to 500 at that point. I don't have. Yeah, the but, uh, they weren't the World Series winner, so they wouldn't get first, you know, last pick. Yeah, no, I feel you. Sorry, you were saying, Mike? I was just reading this article um, by Buster Only talking about this isn't the time for MLB and the union to be bickering over money. Because um, if they do, that's that could actually potentially stop the season as well. Oh, just as like a the CBA? Yeah. Jeez, I'm hell. Dude, I don't know. Okay, but no, about the NBA. There was a – I saw a report today that said that the NBA was going to start reopening practice facilities in the states where some of the regulations are being lifted. Shout out to Georgia. Let's go. Let's do it. Everyone follow their example. Texas. Texas. Is already doing it? Florida. 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 Yeah. So hopefully Fl- Arizona Florida soon. Florida will do it without anybody's permission. Yo, actually, okay, crazy story. Um, but that could be a precur- precursor to us getting baseball back if you know they see other professional sports well, leagues. If Florida's already doing it, we're just waiting on y'all down in Arizona because if those what, two states open, we can do it. I I would be willing to bet that Ducey, the governor over here, is not going to repeal it. He's just going to let it run out, and it goes through till the end of April. So probably got at least another week and a half. But no, um, did you guys see that thing with Tom Brady? Yeah, he he was trying to visit Multiple his QB coach. Yeah, seriously, he tra- <laughs> trespassed at a park, uh, which is so dumb, but it's fine. He was at a park when he shouldn't be, and then he was trying to visit his QB coach, that's like a neighbor, uh, and walked into the, broken and entered into the wrong home. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're like quarantining, you're like watching TV, you're like fucking. The door opens, you turn around, freaking Tom Brady's in your house. Come on, man. Okay. <laughs> I think the best the best line of that whole thing. Is the guy whose house he ha- he like bust into said, "My neighbor always makes fun of me for playing the lottery, but hey, somebody's got to win it." <laughs> Serious? Like, I mean, Mike, you well, you've said that your wife's hall pass is Tom Brady. What happens if you're just you know you guys are sitting at home and he walks into your house? I mean, what, I what are you it? going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Oh. No, but uh, so they're actually catching a little bit of heat because some some of the some of the uh, other GMs and other uh, people in the NFL organization are tr- are trying to say like, whoa, 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 we're supposed to be on lockdown. What are they doing? Potentially having these secret meetings. Tom said he went to just pick up some stuff, which fine, whatever. You're going to pick up the playbook, but most of that stuff is digitalized now. You just email it to each other. Once a cheater, really gonna... always a cheater, bro. <laughs> As much as I love Brian Leftwich because he was on the staff when BA was coaching the Cardinals, I love Byron Leftwich. Don't get me wrong, but like, I have, I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't, I wouldn't trust Tom Brady as far as I could throw him, which is probably like three feet, maybe. <laughs> that's, but that's that's pretty it. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. But um, so Mike and I go to a new NFL stadium every year, 
And I was getting a little heat from Steven earlier because I told him my, my hope is we go to Tampa this year because you could see the Chiefs are saying, you know, um, the uh, New Orleans play there, which we didn't get to see Drew Brees last year in Seattle because he was injured. But, I mean, you get a team together like what they're doing down in Tampa, you, you want to watch. It's an interesting thing. Yeah, I'd love to go watch a bunch of older guys play football. Look, man, I'm sorry. Like, Gronk, okay, hear me out. And this is why I don't believe it's going to work. It's because Bruce Arians doesn't use tight ends. Not his thing. Go look at O.J. Howard's stats last year. He was trash. And Bruce Arians don't give up who you are, bro. He does not <laughs> care. He is running his offense, and you are going to do it, or you're going to leave. So here's my thing. is So why what's, what's new for those two when they're coming from Bill Belichick's? Belichick's uses tight ends. Tight ends are massive in his system. Bruce Arians is like, I don't care. I'll f- fucking throw it to Mike Evans. Throw it to Chris Godwin. He doesn't care. Gronk's like, you can throw me the ball. Brady's like, I want to go there, but coach is going to yell at me when I get back. And coach yells. Dude, Bruce Arians? Oh, my gosh. That dude was crazy. Man. That's awesome. Oh. Okay, Watch out for so the Cardinals, last- 20, 2021 Super Bowl champions. Did you, so see, I'm, I'm, did you see Cliff Kingsbury's flex? <laughs> Yes, bro. His, His house. Okay, house honestly, though, is... so he lives in uh, it's Camelback, and all of the houses look like that. Like it's crazy. Really? They're it's absolutely massive, bro. He's not married, is he? No, he's not. He about to have a lot of women calling him, though. I'll tell you that much. Because I saw this meme that showed his house five wins, and it showed Belichick's eight Super Bowls. Except for like, Belichick lives on like a ten-acre estate, just because he has yeah, rattan but, furniture. You just can't. You only see like one of the buildings on his property. Yeah, that room was totally like like a seventies, like you know, like your your grandma's kitchen. Dude, that's that's New England, though. Yeah, no, for that's New England. New England like that, and like they're not they're not Kingsbury's about, like, house might be cheaper. Right up with things, you know what I mean? Oh hell a cheaper seriously so i like i, I was ugh. looking today at like top 50 suburbs or something like that and it was like wood woodlands texas which is somewhere i've worked and been and it's a super nice area and it's like average cost of a home was like 250 320,000 and these are massive homes they call them mcmansions yeah and then you're looking at like connecticut house and it's like cost of the house there for like a teeny little victorian and it's like or colonial house like nine hundred thousand dollars <laughs> holy hell Okay, so closing back around before I, we jump over to the interview. Um, saw this today, a quote. I, I saw David Ortiz kind of mad. I just wanted to loop back to this to tie off. David Ortiz believes the Red Sox punishment for cheating scandal was a little too harsh and not fair for them. He says everyone in the league is doing it right now. That was from at MLB Elites underscore on Instagram was the one quoting that. Um, I've said it before. I stand by it, but I want to get your guys' thoughts. Is this something happening all the way across the league right now? Like, I've, I've heard this from a few right podcasts. Now, I, need to throw out, I need to throw out to Section 10 because they've been saying this a lot too. Everybody in the league talks so much shit on the Astros, right? So Deservedly. much crap. And, but nobody's saying anything about the Red Sox. Anything. Name me one MLB player who said anything about the Red Sox, right? Because they're all doing it. Of course. Or maybe they just know that they shouldn't be talking about it because coronavirus. Ever thought about that, boy? I don't know. I mean, you have second round draft people. pick. Maybe if you tie it into the Apple Watch thing, that's fine. 
But go after the oh, yeah, flipping Yankees. Hang on, hang on. You have to go after the Yankees too. Do they? Do they? Well, they got the same conviction on the Apple Watch. I can guarantee. I I'm just I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to die on this ledge. I guarantee. I'm putting a guarantee. There was 26 teams in the league that were doing it. You know what 26. I mean? 26. That's that's a re- oddly specific number. Do you care to name those teams? Well, we know just... it wasn't the Tigers. We know it wasn't the <laughs> Orioles. So. And if they were, then they should probably keep doing it. <laughs> I would be scared to see their stats if they did There should be some like the, 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 the Rob Manford should allow some teams just for competitive balance <laughs> to do things like this. It's like, hey, guys, guys, no, guys. No, because guys. then the Astros would sandbag every other season like they used to do with the draft picks. We're just gonna, we're just gonna like the. All right, if you're under thirty wins, you know, seventy percent of the ways you season, get, you get a hall pass. You get. <laughs> they actually give you a camera. They're like, please, somebody. You're gonna start with the runner on third base, <laughs> like, and, and if you do it two seasons in a row, we're bringing up a triple A team. Because good lord, once you hit a hundred wins, you can ask the pitcher for pitches. <laughs> yeah, I just need it right up the middle. Just, 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 just right just up. Toss there. it over, please. Oh goodness! You start underhand, the, underhand. You start the game up three to zero. <laughs> Tigers oh, fans man. are going to be all in the mentions. They're going to be like, "F you guys, man." Okay, well, this is a great interview we have. Um, we get really real with about just the general kind of the grind of growing through minor league baseball. Um, money's money's hard going up through the minor league system. He's played at five different levels. He played through a D1 college at Middle Tennessee State. Um, and he's also played through several different, you know, high schools and in programs and summer league programs. Uh, one person to introduce with this as well, we have a new designated sitter that'll be popping in every so often, and his name is Cole Godfrey. Um, Cole played through all school, played at Baseball Academy in Utah before uh, really competitive person mike he played you, your brothers quite a bit as well so you've you've seen cole play quite a bit as a pitcher shortstop second baseman um and he played at what was the college i, I always say the name wrong uh up in up in washington or seattle yeah centennial yeah I think centurion cent- something yeah like yeah <sighs> something in the nwac um Sorry, Cole. We'll, we'll have you correct that for us. We'll probably have him on on his own to talk about some of his college experience here pretty soon. But yeah, here we go. We'll jump over to uh, Matt Blackham. All right, so I'm here with Matt Blackham, Blackham, who is a pitcher coming up through the Mets organization. And I'm also joined by Cole Godfrey, who played with Matt through high school, correct? Uh, Yeah, a little bit of high school. um, before I believe, Matt, you moved. Yeah, senior year. But we played growing up, middle school. Yeah. uh, In, uh, what was it, uh, Super League? We played against you guys. Yeah, we were on the Skyview team, correct? Oh, in Super League, it was like we had like a 
a team full of Northern Utah kids. It wasn't just Skyview. You guys, you guys were like the only team that beat up on us because we usually were one of the better teams around. And then we played you guys, and you guys always uh, kicked our butts. So, well, that, that's only because yeah, we had the <laughs> dudes from all over Northern Utah. And then once we got to high school, we took a huge step back, <laughs> and the tables quickly turned. And didn't your, did you end up moving to Mountain Crest, or was that your brother? No, that was my brother. He, uh, I think he transferred um, halfway through his freshman year. He transferred to Mountain Crest. So, and that would have, how 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 much younger was he than than me? He was freak probably four years, three or four years. For some reason, I thought I saw him there, but I could be wrong. When did you move? Two thousand ten. Yeah, it was my junior year. We're we're. You graduated in 11, correct? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, so 2010. Yeah. Yeah, he was a little bit after that. So it seems like you jumped around a good bit too, Matt, while you were kind of growing up. With playing on a lot of teams and playing with a lot of people as a pitcher, uh, was there a moment early on where you started to see that you might just be a little bit ahead in skill level than, than the people you were playing with or knew you might be able to kind of take this to a higher level? Honestly, I didn't ever truly see it or believe it until after my third surgery um in columbia um what was that 2016 17 season whatever that was that was honestly after that season was the first time i kind of looked at myself in the mirror and wow i actually think i have a true shot at this i mean i never really thought i'd get drafted i mean it was my ultimate goal i mean that's pretty much the only thing i'm good at that's the only thing i've ever worked at my whole life um I mean, you know, if, if you know me, if you look at my build, it's not like I'm a big stature guy. So I feel like I've always had to work a lot harder than other people, especially with the, all the injuries that I've had. Um, so honestly, no. Every, I mean, I didn't really play much the first first few years in high school. Uh, freshman year, didn't really play much. And then I started getting opportunities and blew my arm out my second pitch I threw. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't play much in Utah. Um I did younger. I, I thought I was pretty good growing up. But yeah, I mean, everyone grew and I didn't. I was 90 pounds as a freshman in high school. So I don't think that was too sexy to the coaches. <laughs> you know, everyone else was starting to get 150 to 180 pounds, if not more. And I was kind of lagging behind. So what was hard to me, everyone was just naturally throwing it harder, hitting it harder because they were growing and I wasn't. So yeah, everyone caught up to me and it just took a, a lot of time and hard work. And yeah, no, like, it, it took me a long time to actually kind of believe it. No, nice you, um, you blew your arm out in, in summer, right? No. It, during when, when you were at Mountain Crest, when, when was that? That was... Is that during like this? April, season? like April 9th or 11th. It, we were, so I only got to, I, that was my first game throwing. Um because I, I, I was on second base when that happened. I remember that. Yeah, it was that. It was that mountain crest. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was the second pitch of that. Yeah, that was my first time, first outing. I think that was what seven, eight games into the season. Probably yeah, like, something I like that. Started yeah. one game, actually. Um, other than that, I got a couple opportunities at third base. Um, but yeah, that was one of my first time starting. Um, partially because actually. It was I landed on my shoulder snowboarding, 
So when we were doing all our winter workouts and stuff, I wasn't able to be throwing. So I was kind of a little bit behind, um, at least throwing. I don't know about hitting. I mean, like I said, I couldn't even hit out of the infield because of my size. <laughs> Nothing sexy about throwing me in the lineup by all means, but that's, that's nice to hear. We, uh, my, my, one of my normal co-hosts, Steven is, is a rather larger in stature person and his, his baseball hero is Bartolo Colon. Cause it's proof that on the bigger end, you can, you can make it in baseball. And I've always been kind of scrawny, never been able to put on much. And so on, on my, you know, little softball teams and playing growing up, I was never caught up to guys. And I was like, ah, oh, if I don't get bigger, I'm never going to be able to make this, but I guess I was wrong on that. And that's good proof. Right. For sure. Um, so it's interesting. You're talking about the injury. Have, have you spent any seasons injured out since you've been in, uh, since you were recruited? Um, as well? high school or so, I mean, I mean, I'll just give you a full brief down. You know, I, yeah. I freshman year, that was, was that 0809 correct? Or no, that was 08. So I think it was 08. Yeah. 08 is when I had my first surgery, tried tried throwing through it. Doctor said I shouldn't even play baseball. And if I truly felt like it second base only, so I uh, didn't have to make long throws, um, kept trying to throw seven months later, kept going back to physical therapy. It wouldn't get better. I was 35 degrees off from my opposite arm and, uh, went back in and said, if you truly want to play, our only option is just taking the screw out. Cause I had a screw put in my elbow. Um, so I said, yeah, let's, let's try it. Why not? And it helped a little bit, but I mean, I had, that didn't stop hurting until I got into Juco where fortunate, kind of unfortunate, but I actually blew out my foot and wasn't able to practice for like five months. Um, supposed to have surgery on that. Didn't. Um, but in that time I actually had the, the PTs there that did an awesome job every day. They put a lacrosse ball into my elbow uh, break down that scar tissue. And I think I gained about 10 degrees, 10, 15 degrees, which actually made it so my arm completely for like two, two and a half years before my next surgery. Um, it actually felt better than I ever had. I had no issues after that until I got to pro ball, started bothering me. And then I actually ended up hurting my back. You know, unfortunate. I wish I could have, you know, go back and I could have probably had the surgery then. So missed half the season then the following spring training, I came back and in spring training playing long toss, a uh, different bone on the backside of my elbow actually completely fractured all the way through. So they had to put another screw in there. And then um, I also had nerve transposition. They said my nerve was basically like if you throw, uh, throw your cords in a backpack or, or let's say you wind it up, right? Perfect. Mm -hmm. When you throw it in there, when you, when you get you know, get back from a trip. Does it ever stay perfectly wound up? Absolutely not. They said, basically my, it was just all, you know, tied and it was pretty bad. Um, I said, if I didn't have surgery on it, that I, you know, who knows what could have truly happened. <laughs> you just use your imagination. So I got pretty lucky there, honestly, um, kind of hurting my back and stepping away from it. And who knows what I could have done in that season if, if I didn't get hurt. That's crazy, dude. I mean, I had never experienced anything close to those types of injuries. Um, and I'm just sitting here thinking of like the the persistence and energy that must have taken just to 
recover from those injuries and still tell yourself like, yeah, I want to go back out and do this and, and stuff like that. Cause I got to be honest about halfway through my uh, first year playing junior college baseball, I was pretty burnt out and done <laughs> mentally. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I could count multiple times that I've been burnt out, maybe not on the baseball side, but the therapy, the, the constant stress, the, the worry, the, the money aspect. Uh, I mean, anything and everything you can think about. I mean, like I said, it's not like I'm a high stock guy, so I have to do two, three, four times better than all those guys that, that are high draft guys or big guys that they're trying to develop or, or, you know, money guys. I, you know, it's, it's crazy. I always thought that politics was only in, in high school, but it's definitely, you know, and it should be, you know, you, you give a guy couple million dollars and, and and you invest in them or you you give a guy like me 29th rounder 30 thirty thousand dollars and say here try to last seven years on it and it's it's not easy uh so it's it's stressful i've wanted to actually quit multiple times um you know i've had things like for example after my surgery my my first level surgery with the mets i wanted i wanted to be done i was going to call the mets the next day i was sitting around i was actually really depressed um, the entire time I was home from that surgery. Um, and it wasn't easy. I, I, in all honesty, I was actually drinking a lot and, and I don't think that made my fiance very happy. I think that caused a lot of tension between us. I'm actually very lucky that I had her there for me. Cause if it wasn't for her, I mean, you know, it definitely could have been, went down some dark, dark paths. Um, but yeah, I'm just blessed to have her not only on that side, but as well as I'm gone half the year, you know, we just had a kid and she's, she's almost one and a half and she's taking care of her. And through this virus, it showed me and makes me appreciate her so much more for what she's doing as a parent, not only as a parent, but supporting me during the season and having to put up with me. I mean, like you said, Cole, I mean, I've been hurt so many times and honestly, I don't know why I'm still doing it. <laughs> I have reasons, but I would shake my head and say, why am I still playing from what I've been through? Um, and then I take a step back and say because of because of people like people like her. Um, another example is I actually got a dog the next day. I said I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to start getting active, even though I can't move around. I can't do much because my elbow surgery. I went and got a dog, and she actually changed my life. Um, she was probably one of the big reasons why I didn't quit. I know it's kind of crazy, but she made me more active. I, I got that friendship, you know, that bond you get you know, with an animal and it, I don't know, it changed my mind. I actually didn't call the Mets. I, I thought I would have been done and, and I'm not. And, you know, as well as just my family in general, if it wasn't for my dad, stepdad, um, I wouldn't be playing as well financially. If, if he wasn't able to support me for the past seven years, I mean, I'm having to pay $800 bills for an apartment, you know, up in New York, for example, it, it's not cheap. And then, and then I'm having to pay, you know, rent back home in Tennessee and, and all those bills. I'm paying for double of everything because of I'm playing minor league baseball. And, uh, you know, it's it's not easy when you're making a, a thousand bucks a month, if that. I mean, I cleaned six grand last year in an, an entire year <laughs> after taxes. So it's, That's crazy. it's tough. But like I said, you look back and if it wasn't for my family and my fiance and my dog and, and, and some supporting cast agents, stuff like that, if it wasn't for people like that, 
I wouldn't be playing. I, I play through those people. And all honesty, I know a lot of people tell me that, you know, they live their lives through me. Like my stepdad tells me that. Some of my brothers say, man, I wake up and all I want to, to do is just see you succeed. You know, that's a lot of what they live for. And, and it's, it's honestly, I feel like a big reason I do this is because of making other people happy. It makes me happy, obviously. There's nothing better. I mean, I'm sure Cole can attest to this is when you strike someone out or get someone out there's, or hit a home run, whatever that is, there's honestly, there's no better feeling, especially like a stature guy like me. I feel like I grow a couple feet taller. So it, it, it puts a lot of things in pers- perspective um, when you have so much support and, and, and great family and, and stuff like that and makes you makes if it makes them happy it's gonna make me happy i if, if you know me a lot of my friends i'm i'm a jokester i'm always messing around kidding around most of the time go too far but you know that's all right um <laughs> but i do it because i like to make other people happy some people like it some people don't but i if, if i make you know if i make you too happy for doing this it's gonna make me a happier person that's that's what brings me happiness um so i think that's a big reason why i'm still playing today is 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 those those type of people that I have in my corner? Um, if I can make them happy, man, I I can I feel like I can do just about anything. I don't care what obstacle I have in front of me. If I got them in my corner, you know, nothing's going to stop me. So I'm I'm very fortunate um, in an unfortunate circumstance <laughs> as in minor league baseball. That's that's cool. Um... When you're saying it, I got a curiosity. When you're saying that nothing feels better than striking somebody out, as a pitcher, do you prefer having someone fan out, or do you like watching them watch the ball go past? I, I honestly, it, it depends. If they buckle up, I mean, that's awesome. If if <laughs> they kind of look at it, it's whatever. But if they buckle up, love it. But man, I love when when you see a guy just swing and it looks like they have a sword in their hand, and sometimes <laughs> it's a laugh. I mean. Like man, these, some of these guys are—they're so dang good, and and you just beat that guy. It's a pretty awesome feeling, you know. You go up—I mean, I've played against guys like Vlad Jr. and and Bo Bichette, and shoot, uh, Pete Alonso has been my teammate before. You got guys like that that are—I mean, gonna end up potentially being Hall of Famers or really good baseball players. <laughs> they're gonna be making lots of money here soon, so it's, it's no a pretty cool feeling when you can get guys like that out i mean i pitched against daniel murphy in spring training i pitched against yachty i pitched against dexter fowler goldschmidt I pitched against guys where it's like i mean heck i may never be as good as those guys but you know i, I got guys out I, I, you know whatever yeah. I, whatever happens it, it it's it's a pretty cool feeling um in general just because you're you, you get to see guys that you've watched that are Guy, you know, heroes for a lot of people, or you look up to them, or shoot, I my, t- my one of my teammates is Tim Tebow. I mean, you know, everyone freaking looks up to that guy. He's a great dude. He's one of the greater guys I've ever been around and met. Honestly, um, does a- what's that like watching someone who's transitioning from football and trying to come into baseball, and he's working really hard, you know? And he's there, there's a lot of people who are, are naysayers and are, are pretty rough on him for it, and he he really keeps his head down, you know. What's what's that like working by him and and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Like you said, he's 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 doing the same thing behind the scenes. He's just keeping his head down, going about his business, and doing everything he can to 
to make it. You know, a lot of people think it might be a publicity stunt, but if, if you're behind the scenes, you, I think you would see what he does and, and, and how hard he works and what he does in the off season. And she, I, I know he posts a lot of videos of things he does. And I mean, he wants, I've had conversations with him. He wants it just as bad as me or the, the guy next to him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's pretty cool. It's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, not going to lie. It's, it's, it's a crazy situation, but it's, it's, pr- it's pretty cool. I, I, yeah. I, I could go back and play high school basketball or something like that. I know it's a little bit different, but man, shoot, I'd go do that again, or that would be awesome. And he's yeah. very fortunate that he's getting that opportunity. How were, when, because I know if I remember, he had like a workout and like a bunch of teams like showed up. Um, when the Mets signed him, what was the feeling around like your, your teammates before he kind of got there? Like, very were they like, what is this? Or- right. Very mixed. Um, a lot of people were excited. They wanted to ha- meet him, hang out with him, whatever. And, you know, you had certain people that worked their entire lives to were not too thrilled, you know? I mean, that's just the facts. He hasn't played in eight years, so it, it can be. It's kind of is a bummer. But like I said, he works just as hard, if not harder, than any any other person. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that were paid money that I've seen that don't work very hard. So <laughs> yeah. you got to be just as hard on it. It doesn't matter if it's Tim Tebow or someone else. You know, he puts in a lot more effort than certain guys that, you know, maybe that I've came across during the years. So you got to respect it for sure. So, so you got drafted in 2014 and, um, was it a couple years ago? You got your first invite to spring training to big league spring training. Uh, huh. uh, no, this year is actually my first big league invite spring training, but the two prior years, they, they asked me to come down early. And basically I was like the backup guy where I'm going over like every day or every other game. Um, yeah, I mean, I think last year and the year before, I went over there 25, 30 total games and gotten one appearance both both years is all. But, so tell me this year. Tell me about that moment when you get that call. What's that like? What's the process? What emotions are going through, you know? Um. So I didn't know if it was going to be via email, phone call, something in the mail. Honestly, I was kind of hoping for something in the mail, just that like you're a kid and it's Christmas and you get to open it. That's <laughs> yeah. honestly kind of what I wanted, so... Uh, but he just, I got a phone call and right when I got the phone call, I was like, all right, I kind of feel like I know what this is about. Um, and my parents were actually in town visiting my daughter. And, uh, so I actually stepped out of the room. I didn't want to say anything to anyone. Um, cause I wanted to tell them I didn't want to get all excited or, or anything like that. But so yeah, I just walked walked in the other room, took a shower, came out. And it's funny, my fiance got on my phone and saw that I, I told my agent and, and my agent texted my parents, congratulations. That's a huge next step for, for your boy. I'm so happy for you guys. And, you know, they're like, what is he talking about? Next step for what? So it kind of turned more into a joke and uh, more than excitement, but it was pretty funny because they had no clue what was going on. And they were trying to guess, oh boy, what, are you guys having another kid? Or what, you guys getting finally getting married after five, six years of engagement? Stuff like that. So it turned into something funny, which again, that's the type of person I am. So I I kind of dug it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Who uh, Who's your dream batter you want to face? 
I mean, you faced a lot of people already that are kind of cool. If you've already faced that person, then I'd love to hear about Man, kind of how that if, went. If, if, if you don't say Mike Trout is one of your top guys, then you're insane. I mean, why would you <laughs> try to battle against someone who's going to end up being one of the best of all time? Uh, I think you'd be crazy. I think it'd be awesome. Getting out or not, it'd be a really cool experience. Um, Trout for sure. Ooh, I, I honestly, I'd like to, I'd like to pitch to Daniel Murphy again. He's, I think he's one of the harder outs in baseball. I've heard that from a lot of people as well. He just sees it so well. Um, who else? I, I would like to face Vlad Jr. Um, honestly, played against him, and every single time I was entered in the game, like r- right after he just like got out or. It was always in between or same thing in fall league, same thing happened. He he hit and I threw two innings. Um and then so he's the the last guy out and then the next guy of the following inning. So I missed him both times. So it's uh, kind, of, kind of a bummer, but maybe it was a good thing that I didn't face him. <laughs> this is gonna be like the long awaited rivalry when, when you finally get to face him. Yeah, probably not, but maybe. I'm down Tear for him down. Rivalries. There we go. Dude, I, I remember um, when I was like 12, we would always go down to uh, those like Super League tournaments down in St. George and Mesquite. And right. Bryce Harper would always be on, I think he was on like the Southern Nevada Bulldogs. Yeah, that, that's the team he was on. And we would always like face them in one way or another. And I remember we actually played them in St. George in a championship game when we were like, I, think, I seriously think we were like 12 or 13. And I can't, they were just like, like just beating the crap out of us. It was probably like 12 to nothing at the end of the second inning. And I came in to pitch um, and I remember he came up to bat and I, I smoked him in the, in the foot, <laughs> on the top of the foot. And he like let out this like man grunt, dude. Like I had never <laughs> heard before. Like he was a full grown man, even when he was like 12 and, uh, I took him out of the game. That's my that's my claim to fame. I, I faced him like two or three more times after that, just kind of randomly at tournaments and uh, like scout tournaments in Phoenix and stuff. And every single time, he, he just would like freaking smoke a frozen rope <laughs> off me. So it, it was just crazy so to face him. Team, so your team traveled a lot more than our Super League team did. Yeah, so, well, we, our Super League team, like, the farthest we went was, like, well, yeah, I guess guess we went to, we went to Arizona, like, two or three times with that Super League team, and then I actually played with the, uh, it was called the Utah Baseball Academy, I think it's called the Mountain West Baseball something now, but we would, we would always travel to, like, Portland and Seattle and, and Phoenix and California and play in those, like, scout tournaments that, are always popping up and stuff and he would always be there. So Right. Do you think, crazy. do you think that that is is uh, a good reason why your team was so good? Seeing such uh I think places or, or I I think more so it was the the team building chemistry that we had. Not necessarily the teams that we played and the talent that we faced, but just being able to, to hang out with your, your dudes in a, in a hotel and stuff. And like, you know, like when you're like a young kid, like go swimming at the pool and stuff after the games and like go out to eat and 
just find some stuff to do like in between games or after games. I think that's what really brought us together. And then when we were like, when we turned basically from 13 till 16, 17, because we, we played a little bit outside of high school too. We were virtually untouchable in Utah. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, as well as I do, like that only goes as far as, as the dudes that you're playing with and where they live. Right. Cause once we got to high school, it just went downhill. Cause we hadn't been, there was four of us, uh, who went to the same high school that ended up playing together in like all the way through high school that was on that team. So it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun to go travel with those guys, but yeah. That's cool. Um, so you've played in a few different cities now to this point with the Mets. You've played in Brooklyn. You've played in Syracuse. Um, you just stepped into AAA last year, correct? Yep. Where, remind me where the Mets AAA is. I'm, it's in Syracuse. Double Syracuse. Okay. Um, high A is in St. Lucie where our spring training is. Yeah. Tell me about the fan bases and kind of playing through those systems. Can they be grueling? Are they really engaged with you? So so uh, the Cyclones, hey, that was uh, – short season high or short season single a they mm-hmm. had one of the better fan bases that i've i've came across mm-hmm. um just because a lot of them are already mets fans so it's perfect location um so they had a lot of fans a lot of super fans do you meet a lot of seinfeld stars while you're there i always feel like they're doing seinfeld nights there i thought i can't remember i thought we had it but i, I honestly can't remember i know we yeah. they had the impractical jokers i caught one of the first pitches for one of those guys uh oh, nice they do very good promotions. They do a mm-hmm. really, really good job. So that was fun. They average anywhere from. Well, oh, you're right there. You're right there at the amusement park too. Yeah. 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 It's it's right. Yeah. <laughs> right behind left field. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's like eight to twelve thousand a game, and it's always packed. They do a really good job. Um, Columbia, the two years because that's that's when I got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. That's when Tebow was on our team, and I'll tell you what it. It, no matter wherever we went, it was always a home game for us. Um, and everywhere we went, it completely sold out, packed out. So we that was one of the funnest seasons because every – well, the first half because he got called up. But the first half of the season was the funnest seasons um, I probably had in, in pro ball just because of how into it the fans were. Um but a side note, it was also pretty funny. There's a lot of people that had no, no knowledge about baseball, and he'd like maybe ground one out or something, and everyone would be cheering that he put a ball there. <laughs> it was pretty funny. You could tell there's a lot more people at a game that had never been to a game. But, I mean, hey, if, if it gets fans out to the game, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, let's get more He's of grounded it. grounded double plays, and they're just yeah. routing up. Right. Uh, yes. It, that was probably the funniest part of, of it all, for sure. Um, uh, but then the next two levels, not a ton of fans, honestly. But Double A, uh, some of those stadiums, man. Uh, one in Connecticut, I believe, Hartford, the Hartford uh, Yard Goats, and yeah, that's a, that's a big league field. That it's beautiful. There's some of those fields are awesome. Uh, the the Fighting Phillies, the Phillies team, it's like it kind of reminds me of an old school field in an old school baseball town. So. It's not one of the nicest stadiums, but but they do a great job there. So that was – it's really fun to play there as well. There's some really, really cool, fun places that do a really good job in towns you probably never heard of, 
but they're really big baseball towns. Double A and Triple A Phillies teams, they they both do a really good job. Um, Yankees have a really nice field in Triple A. So yeah, it's it, it's all different. It's you can go to some that don't have any fans. I mean, shoot, our high A team, we had probably less than fifty every single game. It seemed like, and you could hear the same couple dudes just screaming and shouting, and they'd be cheering for your team. But if you're, you'd be you throw a couple balls and they'd be telling you how bad you are. And you're like, dude, you're a, you're cheering for our team. Stop, stop giving me grief out here. I can hear every word you're saying. Some good old boys coming out to watch them? No, just, you know, one of those older dudes that are probably had a few too many that's going to need a cab on the way home, you know? <laughs> oh, man. You can just wait for him in the morning when he comes to pick up his car. Yeah, no kidding. I'm plugging this in real quick. I can hear you. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. What's um? I'm curious, too, jumping from double-A AA to triple-A, does it feel like a big jump? Because triple-A batters seem to be a big difference on our end when we're looking at data collection. Right. Um, did it feel like a big jump jumping up into the triple A's? So honestly, in my opinion, and from a lot of people I've heard, it's 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 going to be very different. But every league is so different. Um, you got, like for example, like Brooklyn, you have guys that are in college and are so used to playing one way and being super aggressive. And then you have some guys that are just that are on that team that are from the West Coast that they might be trying to play it a completely different way. So. It's really interesting batter to batter in that league. And you go to leagues like the Florida State League where they're hunting fastballs all day long. And so you can get away with, hey, I can throw some of these in the dirt off-speed pitches and I'm getting away with a lot more. But if you're keep, you know, if you're just throwing fastballs, 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 it's going to be a long game for you. Uh, then I, a lot of people I've talked to, they think the biggest jump is from high to double A just because of consistency in players. You're just mm. it's you see a lot more prospects. You see a lot more guys that have a actually have an approach, have routines, have um, better knowledge of their ins and outs, their cold zones, hot zones, um, better knowledge of maybe the other team. So all of a sudden, you have a bunch of a group of guys that understand all that. That was the biggest jump. Where you whereas in the league before that, high, like I said. You just throw some off speed. I thought it was, you know, if you can throw in zone, you're fine. Or, you know, get get ahead of people with your off speed, you are fine. Yeah. In, you go throw a couple of those sliders or, or curveballs to some of those double A guys, they're not swinging at it. And you're like, all right, I got to completely change, but stay within myself. Um, mm-hmm. But from double A to triple A, it's just, man, it's, it's crazy. I felt like they, weren't necessarily catching up to higher velocity because maybe a lot more guys in double a throw a lot harder in my opinion just because someone were starting trying to figure it out i mean there was a couple teams uh, the guys were 95 to 100 every single guy in their bullpen and then you go up to triple a some of you know you have a couple guys 88 that are movement guys couple you throw a splitty here or have really good off speed so you have these triple a guys that see everything off speed and maybe they're not accustomed to seeing guys that are throwing as hard, um, if that makes sense. So it's, it's, it's every league is so different. Um, it's just, yeah. how can you stay true to yourself? And if you get a scouting report and this guy's, he sits on breaking balls and, and he demolishes them, but maybe my best stuff is my breaking pitch. How, how do you not change your game enough where he's going to beat you? Um, 
it's 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 cool but it's it's uh it's tough it's if, if that makes sense yeah between absolutely double a, um but yeah the biggest jump from high to to double a but yes obviously triple a is the toughest is that what separates people who make it and don't is routine and being like true to themselves and knowing them a huge part of it yes um are you a pretty intense pitcher do you have a lot of routine that you like to have before the game do you not like to talk to anybody are you you like to be loose and easy right uh yes i before game and stuff routine i'm not super big into that mine's my routine's more of just um workout stuff band stuff arm care stuff um Mm -hmm. I mean, I try to do the same thing every time I before I pitch. Um, so if, if you typically know when you're going to throw most of the times, um, but for example, third, fourth inning or so, I, you know, I'll close my eyes for a minute. I'll start visualizing um, a box, right, a big box, which is a strike zone, and I'll start just visualizing my visualizing myself throwing to the top left corner, then to the top uh, top right, bottom right, so on and so forth. And I kind of open my eyes for a second, take a, take a couple deep breaths, close my eyes, see the same box, but now it's shrunk even, even more. So now I can only see that top left box and I'm only throwing yeah. it through that box. I don't see the same, the big box anymore. So I, I try to visualize, I try to control my breathing. Um, for whatever reason, I never used to be a nervous guy, but after my surgery, first surgery in pro ball, um, I don't know what happened. I came back and, first year it's like every time if, if i didn't know when i was gonna pitch I, I build up all this anxiety and where my stomach starts churning i mean my first year back i would i every time before um i'd go into a game i would throw up and, wow. and i'd never and never ever ever had any issues like that before um so yeah that was pretty interesting i it's sometimes i still have that not as much as i used to um but typically what helps me is I have pre-workout, so I, I, if I know I'm going out, I'll take a scoop, sometimes two if I have to, try to get my adrenaline going a little bit quicker if I can, because sometimes if you're sitting out there in an uncomfortable chair for six, seven, eight innings, depending, in 95 degree weather, you're, it's sometimes it's hard to pay attention to eight innings of a game. Uh, yeah. So you got to find a way to get locked in and some it's just kind of reassuring. Hey, let me take this pre-workout to help myself get locked in. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll stress. It's funny. It's funny you talk about like being nervous. Cause I remember like when I was in Juco, they play like doing just the same thing. Like I did, I played um, third first and then I came out of the bullpen a little bit and we were about halfway through our season and we were just so terrible. Oh my gosh. I think we were like five and 16 at that point. And we were playing this, uh, this team, if anyone's familiar with the NWAC up in the Pacific Northwest, um, Lower Columbia, they're, they're just a powerhouse in that league. And I remember just chilling in my apartment one day and my coach calls me and he's like, Cole, uh, we want you to start the, the middle game tomorrow. And I, I, I actually said, you know, you're talking to Cole, right? <laughs> I was like, no way. And I just, he was like, uh, yeah, you know, do you do you want to play? Do you want to start? I'm like, oh no, I do. I just just was making sure. But man, when I hung up the phone, I'm like, oh shit, shit, shit. <laughs> so that's what it feels like waiting for six, seven innings every time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit, yeah. shit, shit, shit. It's like I want to go to the game. Why am I so nervous? I know, like I, I want to play. I promise, but right. I'm yeah. telling you right now, though, it 
the it's so awesome being a closer because you always know when you're going into the game and yeah, all that yeah. stress goes away because you're you just sit there and relax you're like all right if it's a close game i'm going in if not i get to sit here and chill the whole game nine out of ten times obviously that was yeah. that's the best feeling um when you, you normally play closer yeah i i, I do just because i know I like to know when I'm going into the game so I don't yeah. have that anxiety building up. Do you have a song you want them to play when you come out of the bullpen? Shoot, I change it every single year. I like something yeah. to get me pumped up. So I always do some rock type stuff. I've had Foo Fighters, um, Seven Nation Army. Um, that would be a good one. The- uh, it's funny because Cole and I were having this conversation the other day. We were talking about, you know, how would you rather pitch? I, I asked him because he pitched a lot, you know, and I, I wasn't as athletic as a lot of these guys. That's why we're kind of the designated sitters. We're kind of doomed to, to hang from the bench. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd want to be a starter. I don't know if I'd want to be like a middle reliever because you have to clean everybody's messes. But a closer would be kind of nice. And we were having that same thing. And he was saying, he's like, starter, it's nice. You know, you, you know, it's every five days. You know, you've got days off. He's like, closer's a lot of pressure, but I, you know, for me, I always imagine like the Mariano Rivera or Trevor Hoffman coming out and the music's pumping and you're coming up on in a close situation. I feel like that's got to be kind of a fun situation to be in. Is that kind of what you'd prefer to play for your career as a closer? Or? I mean, I'm down for whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> dude, if I could go back, I'd love to start starting again because that's where the money's at. But, you know, this is starting Starting was awesome. I when I first time I went back to, or first time I was ever a reliever, I didn't. It was tough. I'd always throw too many pitches in the bullpen. I didn't. I didn't have that routine of how many pitches I would throw. Try to get eight to ten fastballs as hard as you can, and most of the time you got to go in the game. And so that's mm-hmm. my routine. Whereas in before, I didn't have a routine, so I'm breaking twenty sliders just trying to throw. A, you know, a good, a good slider or, and not even working on my fastball. Cause I feel like I got to come into a game. Um, and then you throw a first pitch fastball and you're thrown over the backstop or something. Yeah. And, so I had no clue what I was doing. So at first I wanted to be a starter for my whole life. And, uh, like, cause of the reasons you said, you know, when you're going to pitch, it's, it's a great feeling. But, but like I said, just that first time when I started being a closer in Columbia, uh, at the, the later part of the year, um, that was the best feeling in the entire world. I, I wouldn't, I'd rather be a closer than a starter in my opinion. Um, just every game you're going to pitch in uh, more times than not is going to be a close game. So it means more and you're going to have a better feeling or a worser feeling than if you just go in and game and it's, you're down by 10 or up by 10. So much more yeah. it makes you feel better. <laughs> What's the worst situation you've ever been called out of the bullpen for? I've honestly been pretty fortunate that I haven't yeah. had too many. I've had a couple of times where I've came in with bases loaded, but it's more of when you go into a crappy situation and then something bad happens, a blooper that lands in between three people or or a bad hop and hops over something. That's more of the situation you're like, oh, here we go. And you're just waiting to see what happens next. The snowball is going to continue to get bigger and bigger. Those, It's more of that. Yeah. Uh, I I don't mind going in. I like those situations. Uh, Leading into games, do, do the data do the data nerds kind of the higher levels you go kind of pour into the the clubhouse before the game? You know what kind of scouting reports do you generally get so, to I see? Mean, they're, they're there for us. Yes. Yeah, so just depends. Each team that I've been on, it's been a little bit different. Um, we it, it, 
co- some coaches were like, hey, we're going to have meetings. We're going to go over scouting reports of all these guys, pitchers-wise. So we'll go over the hitting lineup, hot and cold zones, um, maybe swing and rate misses if they attack fastball early or if they if – they, uh, if maybe you can get away with a fastball down the zone early in a count or something like that. So we try to go some – te- some coaches will make you do that, and some will say, hey, it's all on you. If that's your routine, if that's your game, then you do what you do. So we'll have yeah. five, six computers up. Um, usually every team I've ever been on, they always have that picture of that day. So hitters can go and watch a pitcher throw, you know, maybe a, 10 minutes of that guy um, throwing, you know, however many games that is, you know, maybe the last five games he's pitching or something like that. Um, so it'll just be pitch after pitch after pitch, two, three second clips. So you know, yeah. I think the hitters, that's huge for the hitters. Obviously, it's good for us bullpen guys because a lot of guys don't get to, you know, you can't just in the middle of a game. I mean, you can, but uh, sounds like baseball is trying to go towards the opposite direction where you can't, maybe you can't have some of that information uh, from that whole scandal. But, <laughs> um, but yes, yeah. it's, yeah, they're, they're, they're more, they're, they're definitely for us. It's, it's great having them around for sure. We have like video, our own video rooms. So they're typically in there in the video rooms or always, they're always helping someone out. Get yeah. videos for you. So maybe um, you pitched the night before they're working on getting videos and cutting it and, and sending it to you so you can watch it and, 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 and get better as well. So it's, it's pretty, yeah. awesome, honestly. What do you think? Um, what's your, what's your pitching arsenal or what do you think a scattering report the other teams get says about you, you know, oh, uh, depends on the day. Probably <laughs> <laughs> can walk anyone and everyone can strike two dudes out and then throw four balls. And I mean, I, they it probably what's, what's that guy's name on Boulder. And that's probably, they just probably have his name instead of mine. Uh, all honesty, but I, that's, that is a really good question. Um, I like to throw my breaking ball at any given count. Um, I, for me, I don't care if I walk people. I would rather walk a dude and maybe pitch around a guy, and then oh, this dude's hot. We keep throwing to him. He keeps getting doubles off us all season or all series. This dude's fourteen for his last thirty or whatever. Okay, well, let me pitch around and see if I can get a couple swing and misses. And if I don't, if I walk him, guess what? I don't have a double off the wall. And then that I, I that's the and also another big difference in double A is when, when so, it don't matter how cold that team is, if if that one dude gets a hit, they're all getting it. And it, it, it doesn't matter how good you're pitching. It's like, man, I just made three of the best pitches I've ever thrown. Doesn't matter. You you get a guy that's hot, it's going. Everyone starts getting hot behind them. The dominoes yeah. start falling, and it's like, okay. So for me, in my opinion, I would rather throw around those type of guys, and maybe see if I can get lucky. If not, I'll walk a guy and – then I'll get the next guy or two out. Um, obviously, sometimes things don't go plan a- accordingly, but um, you know that's 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 what I would think the scouting report yeah. is. So your your picture with um, on a baseball reference on uh, milb dot com has you with some pretty long hair. Yeah, uh, I've noticed it's a little shorter now. We, we were talking earlier. You said you do a lot with some kids. Tell me more about that. I do. Um, so. Obviously, the each one of our teams, they always assign four, five, six. It just depends on the team. Some do more than others, but we try to once, twice a month, 
Maybe we'll go to elementaries and help kids out, uh, go read to them, do projects about bowling, anti, or I'm sorry, anti-bowling, I should say. Um, just we always do stuff like that. Each team that we go to, um, you know, in past I try to do do stuff on my own. Where uh, in Colombia I went to the hospital and I visited patients, uh, young patients that had cancer. Um, that's that's the type of stuff I want to do, and hopefully moving forward I can do more and more of that. Um, I also try to grow out my hair, like you're saying. I, I've I've grown out twice over the past five six years. You have to get it like 14 inches. Yeah. Um, cut it and send it to uh, kids with cancer, Pantene. There's there's a, a love love for locks or something like locks of love or something like locks, that. Yeah, lock, yes, locks of love. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of great organizations out there. You know that for me, I maybe don't have a bunch of money, and and you know a lot of people say, man, I'd like to do this, I like to do that. So you know whatever I can do doesn't mean it's a lot, but the small things go a long ways and always saying, Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And then those things never happen. Uh, yeah. you know, people's lives are busy and, and, and it's hard as it is. So if there's something as little as just growing out your hair, it might be frustrating, annoying in the summer or whatever, but it's better than nothing. And that's more, I, you know, I, I'd like to work more with people that, uh, younger kids with cancer, just because I know, a lot of those parents are doing everything they can and maybe don't get to spend time with those kids because they're working yeah. around the clock, trying to make more money, trying to pay for those bills. And, and, uh, and if there's maybe more people uh, like me or minor leaguers, professional guys that can go and um, be around them, I, I, I truly believe that those spirits can maybe help them um, maybe fight it more, be more positive. You just never know. The body's a crazy thing. Um, what a little happiness or, just that shock of being with someone that you never thought you'd get to get to be with that's hanging out with you, building a relationship, showing that they care. You never know what that can do for someone's life. Um, so hopefully, hopefully if I can continue to, to play baseball, hopefully I can do more and more in that. Maybe create my, my own organization. My fiance and I have, have wanted to do that. She actually came with and helped me. Um, so hopefully, you know, the more in base yeah. I get, the more we can continue to to do that and help out and, you know, maybe not have to grow out my hair as much. <laughs> <laughs> well, when a foundation comes together, let us know because we'd love to help out with that. What can what can fans do in the current moment to to get things going and to help out from from their position? Research, man. Uh, you just never know what what they may need. What if those parents were already less fortunate as it is? I'm maybe yeah. afford stuff and that just toys. What if, what if you can go, what if there's a, some kids at the hospital that just need a couple of toys to play with to brighten their day or grow out your hair or just, just research. That's it. It's it, you, you, most people have these things. It's, it's not that hard. It doesn't take that much time. You, you have a powerful tool, use it, you know, and if yeah, you're a person and, and you don't think you got time, well, you go a bathroom, you probably play it on your phone, do it in there. I mean, and that's kind of <laughs> seriously. It's like you spend yeah. five, 10 minutes less playing on your phone or, or, you know, messing around and, and, and try to change someone's life. It's, it doesn't, in my opinion, you don't necessarily have to do a lot to change someone's life. Like I said, I, yeah. I got, I got a dog and I, and she completely changed my life. And I know a lot of people could maybe could feel the same way, but you know, mine was a lot more sentimental, um, value to it because that's the love of my life is baseball 
and it's something I've worked for my whole life. And buying a dog made me not quit. It kind of sounds like, well, that's kind of weird. But it, I mean, little things like that can change people's lives. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're getting towards the end of our time here. So I wanna, I'm want i going to put you in the hot seat. We have a few questions we like to ask. Uh, these are specific to the pitchers that all come on. So I'll throw a few of them quick at you. Um, do you want them to institute the robo-ump into the leagues? <sighs> Man. That's tough because it just depends on how you look at it. For me, I wouldn't want to know the stats behind it. Um, you see some of those videos in the fall league and some of the leagues that we're using as trial. And if you're a pitcher, you're saying, I want that. You're seeing someone's pitches that you're throwing a breaking ball that maybe clips it but lands in the dirt and it's called a, called a strike. Well, what pitchers yeah. want that? But at the same time, do I really want my hitters to be dealing with that? Um for me, I feel like I've always been on the bad side of getting more non-calls than getting more calls. So one side of me truly wants to say, yeah, let's go with the RoboCop so it's more equal playing field. But from the videos I've seen, I don't think it's really an equal playing field. I mean, sure. is it the same? I, I, again, I don't know too much details about it, but is, is, it, is, the box, is it the same box for everyone? Does it change per person based on their height? Or I mean, mm-hmm. well, I truly don't know that. Um, well, the hard part is where you define the box, right? Because a lot of guys really scrouch down when they get in their load. Do I do I measure the strike zone from where he starts his position, where he ends when he bats? You know, I agree. It's, it is. I, that's I a hard think, one. Okay. I just think having a regular um is. I mean, that's what they train yeah. for. That's. I would rather have that, honestly. <laughs> regular umpires. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, and, and you know what? The other thing too, if Steven was here, he would say is. His favorite part of the game is catcher framing. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a very big art that you would lose. It takes a, that that entirely away. Yeah. Um, designated hitter rule. Do you like having somebody hit for you, or do you like having? Do you want it to be all league one way, or do you like the league separate? Right. Well, I'm a reliever now, so I've only had one AB in minors, and <laughs> seeing 97 the first pitch, and when you haven't hit in six, seven, eight years, is not fun. But it was one of the funnest. <laughs> It was one of the best experiences in my life, but I don't want to get hit by one of those. My every bone, my body would break. So, <laughs> I mean, but again, you you turn around and shoot. We're in the National League. If if I get to throw against a couple pitchers as a reliever, like sounds good to me. If that can help, maybe down the line, make me look like a little bit better pitcher. Why not? <laughs> but your stats. I, you know. I think probably having a DH both. I think it needs to be the same way both both ways, um, in my opinion. <laughs> but you don't care which way it is? No. But no. I, I mean, I do think that it should be both ways because I think things are completely different uh, when you have yeah. starters in the NL, starters in the AL, and you're facing one extra guy on one side and you're not facing one on the other side. Happen to pull pitchers way earlier in the NL, maybe not as early in the AL. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Can change okay. can change people's entire careers potentially. If you're pulling certain guys out, maybe that are five inning guys, maybe they're getting pulled out way too early and not getting those chances or opportunities because of the DH rule. Or mm. that, because of the uh right, because of the DH rule. They need a pinch hitter or something right. like that. Right. And yeah. Okay, twenty strikeout game or a perfect game, which would you rather throw? <sighs> perfect game for sure. Okay. Um would you rather win a World Series and not make it to the Hall of Fame or make it to the Hall of Fame and not win a World Series? 
Probably just because I've, I mean, other, uh, probably win a World Series, honestly. Yeah. I think I'd want okay. a World Series. And then, so this is my favorite question to end on. Um, we're designated hitters or sitters, you know, we're at the point where our career is at the very end of it. Um, for kids who are young, they're not designated sitters yet. They've still got a chance to make it as far as you have. What misconceptions would you get out of the way or what advice would you give them, you know, to help move them towards where you're at? Anything's possible. Um, shoot. I, I remember, like I said, growing up, I was in ninth grade, 90 pounds. I didn't hit 150 pounds until I was what? 24, 23, 24. Um, five, 10, uh, just anything's possible. If, if you put your heart to something and, and, and you work hard, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or, or have support or not Yeah, it helps. But if you have enough drive for something and, and you want it bad enough, it doesn't matter who you are. You, anyone can do anything. And I truly believe that I've seen some pretty amazing things from, from people we've been around you. Some of those uh, military guys that come and visit us, give us inspirational, um, um, talks and, and you're just blown away with some of these things that they've overcome and they're still fighting. And it's like, man, if those uh, amazing people like that can do some of the things that they're doing, man, us humans, maybe we're too small or not strong enough or not big enough. We can do anything. We can do anything we can put our mind to. And like I said, if, if you want it bad enough, you'll be creative enough. And if you don't know what, ask people, reach out to people. Um, you know, shoot, I have, I have kids sending me Instagram stuff all the time asking, Hey, can you answer a couple questions? And just telling them, Hey, I don't have any money. I don't know where I can go with that. I can't work out. And I said, here, I'll write you a little program. You can do push-ups. You can do sit-ups. There's so many things you can do. Yeah. Just not making that excuse. And I think that unfortunately a lot of people want to make excuses. Um, oh, it's raining outside today, so I can't go play catch. Well, I've, it's been raining here a lot and I have to, I'm still playing catch in it. You know, it's, it's not going to kill you. It's, yeah. I, I think the main thing is just not making excuses. If you want bad enough, anyone can go get anything that they want. I like that. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have you. If, um, if there's, we're going to try and get you on again in the future as things go on, we're looking forward to seeing your career play out and, uh, if there's anything we can do, let us know. Thank you so All much. Right, Thanks for having me. Honestly, I don't know who the fuck to trust. This is my friend or my fault. I'm a exit draw. Yeah, she give me that claim as well. I remember back when I was younger, I was happy. Nowadays, feel like no one understands me. I'm good at artists, silly, I'm about to blame me. Baby's yellow text. She wanna give me like candy. Run up the racks, track me. Uh, I'll run up the racks like an athlete. Big facts, you're the dick, six flags, ballin' like dick flags, throw to love, I ain't really mean that, yeah. Nowadays these people like funny, remember way back she was loving, these bitches sneaky can come, I got four hoofs up on top, I remember, 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 I dog food, no kibbles, just to give me some skrilla, remember I was really on the black like Tetris, just to give me some chip. Surfing, rock in the parking lot, my weed lighter, and I like to get my blood. I be on her mind like non-stop, yeah, I had to cut the little thought, no 